0: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Think Torah. This is episode three of a series we call Around the Shabbos Table. If this is your first time here, you can go back and listen to the older episodes. It is really evergreen content, and the conversation should be able to last uh, any week. It's not connected to the Parsha specifically, so go have a good time and enjoy these episodes. I hope you have as much of a good time listening to it as I did creating it. Think Torah is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, which is my network of podcasters trying to spread quality content, both in production quality and in Torah quality in the podcast sphere. If you would like to advertise with us, you can reach out to us through the website at intentionaljew.com. Today, I want to bring you an awesome product I saw. And if you have not heard of Aton Katz or his music, then maybe it's time you should. And Aton's created a really awesome little nifty product for us that if you have a, he's created a USB stick with 10 of his CDs on it. Now, when I originally saw this, I said 10, I thought he has much more and the many singles and other collaborations that he's had. And you all know that I'm a Spotify guy, so jump over to Spotify and you see it all there. But I really thought that, and and I was I was blown away by this product because in the age of having everything and you can get anything online, sometimes we lack something. And that's what this says. This says something specific. I and mean, there's value to something specific to just 10 albums on this nifty little USB stick. So if you're interested you should go check it out at atoncatscom forward slash USB. Today we have a really cool discussion, my father and I, about um, svarim and holy books. We have a discussion, it gets into Chanukah, and uh, it gets a little bit deep into the way we perform mitzvahs to engage others, Um, and my father has a really cool insight on engaging others in our personal mitzvah observance. Feel free, break out of L'chaim, it's Tuesday, reheat some chalent and just enjoy this episode of Around the Shabbos Table. This is a very exciting episode. This is the first episode that my father, Rabbi Wogel, and I are doing live in person in our studio. It's a studio slash library, but I think library cheapens it. I don't think it's a library. I think this is a... I feel like I'm inside of a Safer. And for some context here, we, um, my father recently moved to Eretz and he just got all of his Svarim here on his lift. And he built a beautiful little library and he put all of his Svarim in here. So it's doubling as our studio, as much as I want to say that the main purpose is our studio and the side is for the Svarim. But it's... Uh, the, it's doubling as our studio, which is very exciting, so we get to do a live episode here which is uh which is really cool and amazing and it's an amazing feeling to feel like you're inside of a safer it was a, it was a really cool experience going through it with you daddy um going through all of these books and putting them on and and each safer had a story and each safer had a had a vort behind it and had Something that was significant and important about it. and that was, a, that was a, a meaningful experience for me to go through with you. I heard this week where Dennis Prager was sitting on one of his new YouTube uh, YouTube videos and he was a fireside chat, and he was sitting there talking about um, re- responding to tweets. It was relevant what he was talking about, but he was sitting also in a library, and he said, he loves books, and even if he doesn't read them, or even if he walks into a room and the person hasn't read all the books, it shows that they're, in my words, machshiv chachma, that they respect knowledge and wisdom, and that's important to them. And uh, I really, I, I like that. I liked what he said, and I feel that same way. Is when you're sitting around, I'm looking here a uh, 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 shochanar. I've haven't gone through the shochanar, but I know that you know. As I say things, I know I got to stay within a certain guideline here because I have something looking at me. It's a certain conscience and a certain
1: wisdom that speaks to you. From the shelves, I would take it in a few different ways. The, the first is being surrounded by svarim reminds you exactly what what your life is all about, It reminds you the direction of your life. That that every single sefer that's on here has another another piece of input into who you should be, what you should be, and and like you said, and you said it beautifully, that these are the things that we machshev. My jewels are sitting around me, the most the most important, precious things, material things that I have. Are sitting around me. The other most precious thing, which is my children, is being represented here also. But uh, but 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 looking at my Svarim and you know, just just looking at just being surrounded by them is a constant reminder that this is a direction our life has to go. But I want to tell you something amazing that sitting inside of Svarim is really You the feel first, that way,
0: right? Where you're like you're inside of a safer. I'm inside here. of a safer. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's the first step towards Chachma. There's a, a, a Peldeger thing that um, the Rabbi Nuriyana says that the first step to being a chacham is to love learning. And if a person loves learning, so then that's already called a chacham. It, it's not. It's not a tamel chacham. It's not a person. You don't have anything inside your head, but you have that first step towards. Desiring to acquire chachma, to acquire knowledge, is a love of learning and a love of svarim, a love of books, a love of being surrounded by that. That's part of the steps in the process of becoming a chacham. You know, like you said, every book here has a has a story. There's, um, I wish I could hold up, I could hold up my svarim, but I have a I have a few prized svarim. I have a two svarim from 1776. I have, um, not here with me, but I have a Pnei Yoshua and a Rambam from the mid-1800s, um, like really amazing. Just the, the, the Sefer, just holding it, knowing knowing the generations of people sat and learnt by these svarim, not just kept them on their bookshelves, is really, really incredible. I got those from my grandfather. It's but, not the age of the Sefer that speaks to you, it's the usage of it's it. It's the usage, you know, that, that this was something. I have an Orach Shulchan. That was in my father's house and that, and that that was beaten up like you know, it was really, really well used, that it was such a you know, such an, an honor for me when I got that safer. But I'll tell you one of the Swarm that really that really touches me is um, my, my Gemara Chagiga, which I have here with me. it's, it's a Gemara that was printed in nineteen forty, I think it was forty six, in Munich, Germany. And it was printed by the Vadatsala. And it was it was printed with a letter on the inside. It's a tiny, it's a little Gemara. It's a Khagiga. Is it the orange one? No. The orange one. Yeah. And it's got a letter from the Vadatsala, which is basically encouraging people to get back into their Limarataira. And the and it's got a, a cal, Dafyemi calendar for I think it's the third or fourth cycle of Dafyemi. Wow. And it's, every time I touch the Gemara, it's like an emotional experience to me. To, not just because I, I learned Dafiomi, but to know that, that after the war, that's what the Van Azzolo was involved in. This is what people were involved in, of giving their lives up to, to make sure to be Mechayim Mesim and get people back into their Limit the Torah, back into their schedules, back into into the things that they were doing before the war. It's really an incredible thing. I, I don't know if I ever told you the story, but I, I the Gemara... I, I kept it right behind me in the dining room where, where we lived and we'd talk about it I think every third Shabbos and show it to people. And and people always got a big chizic from it. And I, I lost the safer. I just don't it like like it disappeared into thin air. And it was literally it always sat behind me. I don't know, maybe one of the maids moved it, whatever. So I looked in, in saw this farm that were orange because I figured that's the way they would put it into the thing, or, or things that were thin and, and small like that. So I looked I could not know nowhere. So, one Shabbos, I got a Hamoudia. And I'm reading the the Indian magazine, and they have an article about these Gemaras. Like the and set. The, 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 all these Gemaras that were printed in 1947. And in it, it says that there's only a few of them left in the world. And I'm thinking, what an idiot. I had this Mamash. It's a prized possession on so many levels. I lost this Gemara. I can't believe it. I was really feeling terrible. I closed the Indian magazine. I turned around to get up to go to, to go to sleep, and sitting on the shelf right in front of me was that Kamara. And since then, I've I have no idea I have no idea where it came from, and it was sitting like facing outwards, not not in the shelf, but like in front of in front of other books, as if as if it was just put right back there. I have no idea. I'm not into the heebie-jeebies, but all I can tell you is that that's what happened. I promise you there's no heebie-jeebies with the Hamadia. I promise yes. <laughs> <laughs> this
0: is not the moral of the story
1: and i but but since then i've I've kept a, a close tab on that safer. I saw it here, yeah yeah, yeah I brought it I brought it with me it's um yeah, it's a it's a valuable safer. that's fascinating.
0: Maybe we'll do a uh, uh, maybe we'll do a set on that like just the uh, like a series on the sperm that are the meaningful sperm kind of thing we'll we'll throw that in.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of when I look around these farms, I can tell you when I bought them. I can tell you which trip to Seoul I bought them on. So a lot of these farms I bought here, and then they, they ended up coming back here. Right, but, uh,
0: Right. The, the amount of uh, suitcases we broke
1: being inspired back to California, right. and uh, then, stuffing them up. And then I have my other favorite, which is the the mouse, the the, the um, mouse prints.
0: Right, on the... On the.
1: Oh, wasn't on the Misham Sukkah? No, no, it was in the Matnas sky No, the Misham Sukkah I lost. Yeah, Bishalom Sukkah I lost, lost, it's gone. All right, you hear, you heard it here first, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shocked. Yeah, uh, that, that was
0: the that was that, a part of our that, sukkahs for many. That that was part that of was my, our Sukkahs. That was part
1: of you, Yerusha. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh,
0: okay, um, so awesome. So that's the significance of where we are and what we're doing here. And uh, so we're sitting here at the the threshold of Hanukkah. Unless you want to
1: continue, yeah. It you know, I could talk about Sforno forever, but but I really want to talk about Chanukah because I want to know what's what's in people's minds on Chanukah. The, the the the, the and you have when you say Hamaynam, you have the you know Beni Torah religious Hamaynam, then you have the more secular Hamaynam. But what is they what what are, what are they? How are they relating to Chanukah? I I know I relate to Hanukkah. I know what I tried to work on on Hanukkah, which maybe we'll talk about either today or some other time. But 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 what are what, what is in the minds of the Hamaynam? Hanukkah is coming two days away, right? People are preparing. There's a there's a buzz in the air, there's a there's a feeling Hanukkah is coming, they're looking forward, not just to vacation, but but to to celebrating Hanukkah. What are they celebrating?
0: Right. The the thought that comes to my mind without any preliminary like uh you know, work and a vote on it is always nisim, and you celebrate the fact that we have the ability to see or to appreciate nisim. Uh, nisim are being done all around us, and and we have that we have that ability to see them. Uh, that's that's what always comes out
1: to me. But so, so I think that that's only for the thinking person. You know, I think a person who stops to think about it. I think that's what that that's where they'll go, and they'll go deeper and further. But but I'm talking about really for the average person who's not a thinking person, Mits observant, he's gonna go and he's gonna light the light the lights. What's he what's he thinking about? Not necessarily a Benteru who's been preparing and you know looking up Svar, but but the average an average Jew, right? A guy with just an average Jew on the street, what does he think about Hanukkah?
0: Well, so I'll turn it to you. What, what what what's been your experience with these, you know, so as a as a rabbi of these of people who you are trying to inspire? So,
1: what did you um experience from from people's right? So, I think that that for a lot of people, Hanukkah is about you know like another time where God saved the Jewish people, where a miracle happened to to us in the past, and maybe even take it to the level of how lucky we are that. That, you know that, that miracles happen to us and that you know we're part of the Jewish people and the Jewish people are are strong and here and you know we're still around but it's 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 about I think that Hanukkah for many people is about Jewish pride I think for more secular people Hanukkah is about um, religious freedom and that they see the Hasmonaim coming into the temple to exercise religious freedom when they don't realize that that really anybody who believes in religious freedom meaning that you know, I can do it. I can do it any way I want, and that we're all free to to express our Judaism any way we want. Don't realize that they have the, the Hanukkah. They're, they're part of the group that was thrown out of the temple. They weren't part of the and that came into right. the temple. They're represented by the people the Hasmonean were fighting against was the the Hellenists that were ultimately tossed out of the temple. But I think that, that I think that people because because the essence of Hanukkah is a little bit a, a little bit difficult. I think that people have a little bit rewritten Hanukkah, that it's just about a, a Jewish pride thing. And it's about, you know, the, the the Jews we see in the candles, the eternity of the Jewish people, which is not a wrong message, but it's not the, the whole story of Hanukkah.
0: Right. Also something that you you mentioned was that there is this recognition of that God saved us. But I, you know, I once heard a, a great little ditty from uh, Rabbi, Rabbi Howard from Baltimore, he was from Baltimore, but he, he, um, he said, "There's so many psukim or so many ideas that we only take half of them, and we don't finish the sentence." And one of them was, I don't know if this is what he meant, but for me, this is is always this: "Bayami Mahem," so God did miracles in their days, and then it stops there, and then it's hard to connect because God did miracles for them for the Chashmonaim back then. Right. But what about what about now?
1: Right. And and we don't finish the sentence to say. Well, the so, bezmanazeh, the simple pshat of bezmanazeh is that that by in those days bezmanazeh at this time the kufa of the year. That, okay, that's that's the pshat. So as a child, I, I I always had in my mind those days and in our days, and then as I started learning, I realized that that's not the right pshat, and then I saw levush, and yeah. levush says it's by yom and u that That's right. the that's the proper way of saying it.
0: And and even if it's even if it's drush, meaning even if it's not the simple meaning, there's an understanding there that that a way to connect to the Nisim that happened, the same way as by Sias by the, the, the Exodus of Egypt, we we leave and the mandate is on us to feel as if we leave today, the same thing as with the Nisim and with the miracles that happened in the in the in the, the temple during the times of the of um, of Hanukkah that we have to see those Nisim and that they play out for us today as well. Right. And it's very hard to connect if you're just connecting to Yitzhia Smitraim and to the Nis of Hanukkah. So right. it has to be that it has some, uh, uh, that it replays itself today.
1: Right. It's. I, I think that, that one of the things to focus on, there's, there's a bunch of things to focus on in Hanukkah, but one of the themes of Hanukkah is it's the thank you Hashem holiday. And that it's and that it's that about it's about being able to see the Yad Hashem in every single thing that goes on, and the, the the fascinating thing, you know, there's a Ramban that talks about that we have to to say over always the big miracles. We talk about Yitzis Mitzayim. We talk about um, every day. We talk about Kriess Yamsuf so, because you have to you have to be able to be melumet because when you see the big miracles, then you'll be able to recognize all the small miracles. There's by Shir Sayan, and, and I'm sure you've heard me say this, but by Shir Sayan, it says Basha so everybody has to kasha. It says it well, bi'abasha that the Jewish people walked through in the middle of the sea, b'yabasha on dry land. And then it says another time when it says the same phrase, it says that we walked through on dry land in the middle of the sea. Now, why would you have to switch that? Why wouldn't it say, if it says it twice in the Torah, why wouldn't it say that we walked, we were in the middle of the sea, we were walking on dry land? And in the middle of the sea, we were walking on dry land. Why do you have to say one time that we were in the middle of the sea and we it was like we were on dry land? And the other time was we were on dry land when we were in the middle of the sea. The point is exactly the same. So what are you switching it for? So the reason is because there the there are times where we're in the middle of a miracle, right? We were walking through the sea, we were we were We were in the middle of the the, the raging sea, and we were able to recognize while we're in this huge this event of the of the raging sea we were able to feel like we were on yabasha like we were on dry land but but it's not always like that it's not always these big miracles sometimes we're on yabasha we're on dry land and we need to feel like we're beshayam like we're also inside of the miracle and therefore the the torah the torah switches it to tell us that when there are big miracles, we have to open our eyes to see the big miracles. When we're besaychayam, you have to realize you're on yabasha. But you know what? Sometimes when you're on yabasha, if you if you can feel it when you're in the saychayam, then you'll be able to feel while you're on yabasha in your regular life, things regular going on. You'll be able to feel like you're besaychayam, like you're mamas in the middle of a raging sea and a miracle is happening for you. And that's, I think that that's Hanukkah, that we talk about the miracle, we talk about all of the awesome things that went on. We dash it about, it's a seven-day miracle, it should really, but why was it eight days, it's really only a seven-day miracle. We give all these answers and we're, we we blow the miracle up, that when they poured the, the oil in, only an eighth of it left the jug every day, or, or when they poured it in, so that only an eighth of it burnt. And we, we blow up that miracle. And the reason we do that is so that we can use the light of that miracle to be able to look into our own lives and to be able to see, wow, you know, I I got stuff going on here every day. There's there's miracles going on all the time, and that that my life, by Yom Mehembazmanazeh, that my life is is filled with miracles. And I think that's an important that's an important theme, which I'm not sure is so accentuated. And again, I'm not talking about. Amongst the the B'nai Torah that are dashing and that are looking for you know meaning, well, totally hopefully,
0: the, a lot of times we get lost in the in the right, halachic minutia as well. So right, we uh, I'm giving benefit of that. Okay, yeah. but, <laughs> but it was but important the, for anybody. That's the idea. The idea is that wherever wherever our listener is from, the the avoda here and the the um, the work that needs to be done needs to whether you light menorah, or don't light menorah. So if you're coming, you have to come now to figure out the best way to halachically. Uh, light the menorah then you can add this this idea into your Hanukkah and if you're lighting the menorah six different places with six different things and you're doing it all um, halakhically cor- correct so then you can also add this there's a place to yeah. add
1: this understanding into every level of that's right stop while you're lighting while you're lighting candles while you're lighting menorah and you know after you after you make your brachas after you light you sing your songs great just spend one minute looking at the lights and letting those lights light up your life. Look at those lights and say, where are my miracles? It'll take you longer than a minute. But dedicate one minute. Where are my miracles? Where are the miracles that a Baruch does me? Then when you sit down to say Hallel and to say Alanisim, It'll take on a different context, because you're not just talking about thank you for then, you're talking about thank you for now. Right?
0: I wonder, uh, if yeah, I'm trying to source this a bit, but like, wh- what would you say? How come it's it's? Um, we mentioned this, I mentioned this before that by Pesach it's chayav Adam Liros Atzmo kil Yatsam in that a person ha- there's a specific clause that says a person needs to feel as if he he left but by the other chagim it doesn't necessarily exist like that now we we darshan and we say that it exists because that's a way an important way to connect to the, to the what's happening to make it relevant to your life but i wonder why why it doesn't exist like that
1: maybe it's a part of the mitzvah of sipur Mitzrayim, that the the sipur of yitzis Mitzrayim has to be so real that that you actually feel like you were part of that, and that you left Mitzrayim. It's a it's a maybe a a, a of the obligation of sepoir tzis Mitzrayim.
0: Whereas by Chanukah there's there's pursume nisa. You need to go and scream about it, and it needs to be uh, publicized. But the sepor of the story is not as
1: important. The pursume nisa is not verbal on Chanukah. Right, the proverbial screaming—that's the yeah. No, yeah. no, I understand, but I'm saying the the the, the Sipur on the, the um, Nisa on Chanukah is showing. Is letting them is letting them see it and letting the world see it. I think it's a different a different obligation than on Pesach. There's another there's another theme also, that that I think is important to spend a little time on, on Hanukkah. And that's the theme of that, you know, and we're still burning bright. They've tried to snuff our candles out. they try to stuff our light out in every single generation. And and look at me. I'm standing in La Jolla, California. I'm standing in, you know, Butte, Montana. I'm standing in Houston, Texas. I'm standing in Yushalayim, in Modiyin. And, the lights are bright. And that no matter what they tried and what every single enemy tried to do to us and what we tried to do to us, you know, we, well, the, the, we got to take a little bit of credit for that also of, of snuffing out our own lights. But at the end of the day, the lights are burning pretty bright. Right. Yeah, it's also, it's cool because it, it the Om
0: Dimaleinu here on Hanukkah is a um, ideological well, it was also trying to destroy Judaism by its Co- core, but it was it wasn't physical, which is Correct. You know. The difference, the difference Hanukkah between Purim. Hanukkah and right. Perm. Right.
1: Right. It was it was ideological, but that's what I'm saying. That ideologically we're still lighting lights. Because we're still we still worried about Adlakisneris, we're still worried about lighting the lights. Look, remember I was hanging out in you know in, in, in for uh, for thirty-three years and and it was it was far away, but but people there was still a tremendous connection even for people that had very little other connection other than um, a guilt ridden Rosh Hashanah You know short of that, there was there was very little connection. very little you know daily kind of of religious connection. Hanukkah was a very important holiday. That's so cool. I'll just speak to um, when you were in California, you
0: you you brought a box, a, Han- a menorah box. You lit it outside your door. Probably the only one in in La Jolla who lit outside. What? what just in in the context of what we're talking about, that this is we're showing the persume nisa is that that we're still around. The Nase happened, and the Nase keeps us around today. How significant was that for you to light the uh, to light the menorah outside in a place where it wasn't seen right. in in Eretz Even in here in Modin, it's seen. You see it. Everyone has, so it's not right. as significant. What, what what was that experience like?
1: So, I'm not into. Um, I, I'm I'm not into going into the malls and into the streets, lighting lighting minors. I'm not I'm not putting it down. I'm just it, it's not my, it's not my thing, and it doesn't send me. But. But I remember one of my rebellion, very very choshev Lived in Borough Park, and uh, he lit Menorah outside. And when I saw it, he lit it in a box, like in like, like you know the and eretz But when I saw that, I was very, very moved by it because it was it was your lighting. It was you weren't going outside of your lighting. There were no shilas about brachas no or getting others about to light. It wasn't that. Wasn't the point. It was your lighting. But it was your lighting that was lighting up the world, and and that stuck with me as a kid, and it was it was in high school that I saw that, and I always pined away for the for the time when I could do that in soul, when when we lived the uh, you know when I was in Kiel so we did that, and then I always wanted to do that. And one time I care was in Herzl so, and I saw some and I said you know what I'm just gonna buy it and bring it home, and I did, and I would say. For twenty years, yeah,
0: it wasn't it wasn't my whole life, but it was a a long part of it. Uh, it was, up. it was at
1: least at least twenty years, yeah. The uh, that that I lit outside, and that's what I felt when I lit. It it was it was that you know I'm I'm lighting up my life with this, and anybody who walks by or drives by, so then it's putting an idea in their head, their head also, and it's lighting up their life a little bit also. That's such a Fascinating and
0: amazing distinction between um, the two types of doing mitzvahs with other people. Not to label one of them as there's no good and bad. I just, the point is that there's two types. You can go out and do mitzvahs with others and get them to do mitzvahs and give them the opportunity to do a mitzvah they wouldn't have performed, or you can do your mitzvah and include others in that.
1: I think that, that, Aaron, I think this is our whole approach to to everything we did, which is not for today, but. I think this is our, our whole approach for everything. That we... we right, I'm we, experiencing that. Just because we also...
0: we I, I know, yes, we won't we won't deep dive into this, but I definitely felt that on Pesach, was always our... You always say it wasn't a Pesach class. It's not a Seder class. It was my experience. The same way I experienced Yom Kippur under my talus. And anybody who wants to hear and see can see. Go ahead. But I'm not doing it for anybody. I experience... Pesach at my seder, and if you want to stay up till three o'clock in the morning with me, Kol vode That's it. Please do it with me, and that's that's amazing. So I've I've seen that in your mitzvah observance, and it's it's also um, a inspiring others. That's an important that's an important distinction, but also with your children, with chinuch, that that a lot of your chinuch is not to get your child, your seven year old child, to do a mitzvah. It's to have them experience your mitzvah, and then one day they will do it as well. That's right. That's uh, that's it. And that's why that's if you don't show them the joy of you know wearing tittes or or performing mitzvos, where are they going to get that from? Just doing it alone. So I think both in inspiring others, but also I always take it back basically because that's where where I'm where I am. I'm inspiring children, and that's where with my family. So um, it's also important with chinuch habanim as well. Right,
1: and I think that that probably be a great episode on itself of how to inspire other people, including your children. In in observance of mitzvahs, what's the what, what's the best way of doing that?
0: All right, so you have what to come back for. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Around the Shabbos Table, and stay tuned for Torah Game Changers this week. I have a fascinating episode with Rabbi Ruven Spalter really excited about it. The founder of Kita, you can learn all about Kita and the Mishnah Yomi project that he's, uh, founding and spearheading and just a really awesome, an awesome rabbi and, uh, cool, a cool cat. So stay tuned for that. And as always rock on my friends.